0: It's like a way shittier version of Leo's "I'm not leaving" speech.
1: You know what? By by taking this deal, I'm I'm losing. I mean, I'm I'm lose lose losing. <laughs>
0: the big show. Hello, everyone, and welcome two talking during the movie this show where 2 jackoffs talk about new movies and movie news i'm mike
1: and i'm james
0: and uh this is episode number 77 uh titled well i don't know if i should say it's uh, <laughs> i think
1: we could tell him right
0: oh okay all right all right Mike and James getting married
1: you know I just it just dawned on me that that we've already done um I now pronounce you Mike and James oh we have done I now pronounce you (laughs) yeah yeah so we we've been we've been married a long time man it's uh, (laughs) but maybe just like in I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry we were (laughs) only married in Canada and now you know we're tying the knot south of the border
0: so do we do we get a racially insensitive Rob Schneider to uh do the honors
1: if only. <laughs>
0: Woo. Um, okay. All right. All right. Well, this is uh, aside from our our budding affection, the uh, the sad and unfortunate uh, oh reason for that title is, uh, of course, the uh, sudden and uh, very sad death of film director Jonathan Demme, who uh, passed away. Uh, yesterday, right? At the time of this recording? Uh, uh, yeah, I believe
1: so. Yeah, it would be it would be yesterday.
0: Yeah, Thursday. Um, and, uh, yeah. just uh, Wait, today's not, Thursday. Oh, sorry, Friday. Or, uh, Wednesday. I think it's... I, I had Friday in my head because today's effectively my Friday.
1: I also, I also have been going by... Um, in my mind, it's probably bad. I've been going by the... The crossword because right now I have access to Friday's crosswords so it's Friday you know
0: you really don't want to talk about Jonathan Demi do you James
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about crosswords instead well it's sad okay force it, it is it
0: is sad it is sad and I, I, I admit to not being as well versed in his filmography as uh, I as a film fan probably should be uh, Of course I've seen and seen and seen science of the Lambs. Uh, I've seen Rachel getting married which was uh, probably the first time I really took Anne Hathaway seriously as an actress Um, and uh, I've seen Philadelphia um, a long time ago I don't remember uh, too much but uh, I I have a feeling that he might be one of those directors who uh, people actually kind of pay more attention uh, to later on uh, after their careers have, have you know kind of had time to ferment. and Because uh, right now, Silence of the Lambs just kind of takes all the attention.
1: Well, that's the thing, though. Even if you've just seen the one Jonathan Demme movie being Silence of the Lambs, you're good. And even if, honestly, if he did nothing else besides Silence of the Lambs' his entire oh, yeah. career...
0: His, it, his, his place in film history would be secure. And still. his
1: passing would be no less tragic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, Um uh i uh however uh one particular quote did definitely make me want to kind of get a jump start on uh maybe rewatching some of his uh, older films non uh, not in his lesser known films uh and uh it's a quote that someone actually kind of dug up and posted on twitter uh and went uh, viral for film circles um, <laughs> Uh, by us film types us film types us snooty film types uh, it, uh, it's a little clip that Pauline Kale had written about Jonathan Demme's film Something Wild back when she was actually still reviewing movies uh, so like the late 80s uh, the quote is I can't think of another director who is so instinctively and democratically interested in everybody he shows you each time a new face appears it looked, it is looked at with such absorption and delight that you almost think the movie will flit off and tell this person's story, uh, and that's a um, absolutely applicable to uh, Silence of the Lambs and uh, the films I have seen of his. Um, and it'll be kind of interesting to go back and revisit that, uh, revisit those films with that kind of, uh, with that in mind, kind of paying more attention to how he treats his. Uh, characters with his camera. Um, also, uh, kind of on that note, there's a really great video essay that we can, uh, if, if we are able to link to uh, in the show notes, we definitely should, uh, by Every Frame a Painting. Uh, it's a very short film, or sorry, a very short um, video, about three minutes long, um, but it, it shows uh, two different confrontations between Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, and... Uh, Take some apart, uh, shot by shot, and uh, tries to answer the question: Who wins the scene? Hmm. It's a very, uh, very interesting exercise, and I think kind of a key for uh, dissecting his filmmaking there. So,
1: just like you, I'm not that well read on on Jonathan Demi as a whole, but I am well read on on Silence of the Lambs*. I watched it several times, and every time you watch it, it, you get something. It's one of those movies that you get something new out of it, and I, I'm surprised I can't. I avoided for the majority of my life after i watched this movie avoided it's pretty overt feminist themes um and it's it's actually hard to ignore how much made did did you
0: did you miss the shot with clarice in the elevator surrounded by tall imposing male agents (laughs) Uh, apparently come on like come on even my like pubescent mind watching that was just like oh jeez
1: Oh no, and then and then when uh, she says, oh, and then when his, her superior like tells people tell tells the guys to like leave the room or whatever, or to you know act better or something like, and she's like you know don't do that, it matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, and and then that and then the idea that uh, Hannibal Lecter. A psychopath is the only person who treats her
0: as an equal. As a, yeah, that's true. As an intellectual competitor.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the the idea that the misogyny is the normal part of society.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, Ma- mean, it's James. Maybe are you trying to say that maybe maybe we're the monsters?
1: <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Give me an uh... Oscar. <laughs> I just want an Oscar. No, um, the movie's great. As I said, you get more and more from it, and I wish I had more to say. And, and we should take take on that, um, take on t- undertake that project at some point in the future. It's not what we're doing on this episode, though. We're we're sticking. We're sticking with our – speaking of which, hi, everybody who uh, was waiting for an episode. We've been delayed. We've been up to other stuff. We even missed a a Star Wars uh, announcement, which may have led what little audience we do have to believe that we're dead. We're not. Um, Um, Yeah,
0: because it's – I mean – Hell, it actually came out before we were set to record that last week, right? Yeah, it's like, if
1: we were recording that week, then we could have had it in time. It's almost (laughs) like
0: like Lucasfilm was just, you know, we've been a little hard on Mike and James lately. Let's, uh, what can we, we'll we'll throw them a bone.
1: Yeah, because it used to be the thing where they would drop a trailer right after we recorded, but it didn't happen this time. They were like, "Oh, here you go. Here's the trailer." It Here's would also a few days to talk about it to it
0: would, it soak would it in. It would also knowingly be in the window of time between when we recorded and when we posted, so we hadn't gone up yet. And then the trailer came out, and then we went up, so it would look like we missed an opportunity to talk about it when in fact yeah. we had no such opportunity because it wasn't out yet. At the time of recording, so... As a press time. So, as, as a press time. So, uh, in fact, maybe we should just kind of, by default, tag that onto every single podcast we have. Just put it right at the beginning. Uh, a, a Quick note to view to listeners, at the time of this recording, a new Star Wars trailer has not been released yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, just in case. You never know. We should tell yeah. them that right now.
0: It's um, just for insurance purposes. <laughs> yeah
1: so people are like oh well you know they didn't even they don't even care about star wars we love star wars that's all we talk about shamelessly i'm enough.
0: not sure people understand that enough
1: people don't understand it people don't understand that i have cats people don't understand that you like french films
0: uh they don't understand that you like batman hey batman speaking of what i, 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 I uh, pleaded with you to uh allow me to bring up Batman on this exact show. That's true.
1: You did that, not me. This is Mike's, Mike's idea. And that's one of the other things we're doing. We're, we're going to talk about Batman. Um, we're going to review the currently the highest grossing anime film of all time, mm-hmm. <laughs> your name. And it's not by Miyazaki or anything at studio Ghibli.
0: So by the way, get this also, uh, Currently, and this is not counting the uh, top 250 but just on, on pure user ratings top animated film on IMDB period my god in terms of in terms of its its rating
1: is it even better than Shawshank Redemption
0: <laughs> what no apparently nothing is better than the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> it's, oh. it's sitting pretty with a 9.2 um, Nine, no eight, it, got it yeah.
1: Um, um, so yeah, that's... your name, and then and then we're doing a forgot another forgotten favorite. We're still uh, powering this, through those since we, we skipped still, uh... a couple weeks, not as frequently as we'd like, but uh, that's okay. We're doing them, and this one's on Finders Keepers, a mm-hmm. documentary that flew under the radar last year, uh, had a very limited release before quickly going to Netflix and. Uh, it was actually at some point Considered a fringe Oscar contender But it never really had a shot So
0: What was its competition that year?
1: Um, its docu- documentary competition? Um, yeah Man It was 2015 so I should know
0: this um, Yeah that was the year we got really into the uh, Predictive ballots Oh wait damn it Fuck. Amy won Oh yeah
1: Fucking Amy <laughs>
0: Look of Silence also was uh, nominated. What what happened to Miss Simone? The uh, Nina Simone documentary. So yeah, okay, very formidable competition. Um, Look of Silence still should have won. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know. We know. Um, yeah. So, uh, and actually, I remember he- hearing whispers about this thing all the way back when uh, in Sundance that year, that was kind of one of the hidden gems that a lot of critics I was uh, listening to at the time were talking about was this like weird little documentary called Finders Keepers that was just, you know, kind of just presenting itself with this, as this weird quirky thing and just kind of blew up into so much more.
1: Yeah, it's always the weird ones, right? It's like,
0: <laughs> that yeah. come
1: out of that. I mean, what was the last one that was... Um, uh, Swiss Swiss Army Man of this Swiss most Army recent man. year.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, in journalism as in life, sometimes you just got to look a little bit deeper into something that just seems too weird to be true. <laughs> My God, I think <clears> that theme will come up. Uh, um, so, yes, that's so the... I'll, uh,
1: I'll, yeah. I'll let you introduce this Batman segment, though.
0: Okay, sure. Um, and this is not topical whatsoever. This is just something that... Uh, I wanted to... I, f- I felt compelled to uh, bring up uh, just because I wanted to... Honestly, I wanted to put it in conversation with our resident Batman expert, James Cosnides. Uh I am certified. The, yeah. the, the um, personal nature of our relationship having begun uh, during late nights discussing uh, on the paper, I should clarify. Uh, we're married yet. Um, <laughs> discussing the... Philosophy and thematic complexity and purpose uh, and all manner of uh, all manner of uh, pretentious arty uh, terms uh, about Batman. That was just our whole. That's how that's how this all started. We just were uh, we bonded over Batman, and that was the uh, you know James was clearly the more well read. Uh, In the comics, he had watched the films more than I had. He had thought about it more than I had. Um, And I was honestly just fascinated seeing how much could be read into the story. Um, And, you know, I'll admit, since the Nolan trilogy ended, I uh, have been uh, kind of – I haven't really revisited revisited them as much as I did. had intended i've watched the dark knight a couple times but uh you know other than that um you know nothing and <laughs> i I, and I didn't really think about it until i watched two videos from uh the youtube uh, the youtuber but i actually don't remember his name it's uh, the channel's folding ideas and that's kind of his uh th- that's the name of the show and it basically a good show. check it out it's a really good show. It's a very, um, you know, definitely coming from an academic film point of view. I think he was, you know, he, he's a film editor by trade, but, um, you know, can also kind of come at movies with a broader brush. He kind of looks at them more, you know, thematically, big picture, um, doesn't really get caught up in the, in the minutiae of film, which is fine. That's actually usually how I, te- how, how I prefer to kind of look at films in general. Um, and he made two two uh, videos about the growingly fascist nature of basically the superhero film genre and how superheroes are being presented to modern audiences um, as basically figures of power who. You know, who cause a vast amount of destruction and who have a, you know, just un, you know, unfathomable amount of uh, influence over the world that people live in. And how the underlying conceit of these movies is that ultimately this sacrificing of freedom and autonomy to these beings is good and morally justified because uh, of any existential enormous threats that humans face we need protection from this and ergo these heroes are the best way to ensure that it's not law enforcement which is commonly depicted as incompetent uh it's not any sort of establishment or you know systematic uh form of justice it is these superheroes, these strong men and women. Um, And, you know, he obviously takes a lot of umbrage with that. And one of the films, uh, or, you know, film series that he brought up was the Nolan Batman films. Um, In his original video, he brought it up critically, and in a second, he said that that was the one... uh, text that he brought up that he felt he wasn't necessarily fair to um and he put forward the idea that in future generations uh those films are going to be viewed with batman being cast less and less in a heroic light Uh, at least he he hopes they do and uh i thought it was kind of interesting to think about because um is undeniably it's undeniable that i think the Nolan films do take a more um complex view of superheroism and vigilanteism than most superhero movies, because it's definitely not unquestioned. On the other hand, there's definitely an argument that it is ultimately condoned despite a few, a few whacks on the wrist. Uh, (laughs) Ultimately, you know, it, it is a system that is unfortunate, but necessary in Nolan's eyes. So, um, I think that, like most things, it's a bit more nuanced than that. But there's definitely credence to that claim, and I am going to turn it over to you, James. What do you think about well, I mean, this the, film series?
1: The basic question posed uh, by you—that's, I suppose, slightly different than this. It is. It on is. The, this
0: was,
1: I wanted the to, topic of the YouTube video. The basic question was: Does the Nolan trilogy? Uh, Take it too easy on Batman. Does he let it let Batman off too easy? And mm-hmm. this is of course Batman, the hero slash vigilante slash menace hero or menace. Um,
0: <laughs> Spider Man, uh,
1: not the like Bruce Wayne Batman dichotomy, or not just right, the Bruce Wayne right. character. The f- as a citizen of Gotham, <laughs> does as a,
0: do, as, as a member. I mean, really, as a member of Gotham's uh I mean not it, it, uh, even a member as a f- uh, functioning agent within Gotham's infrastructure. I mean, he is one of Gotham's central mechanisms for enforcing justice. Um, mm-hmm. employed regularly, even by the police. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, he has a relationship with Commissioner Gordon. He shouldn't, and again, it's something that he that Commissioner Gordon's obviously, not overt about, you know, he's like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get mad at me for a piece of faulty equipment on the roof. You know, it's, it's, it, it, these are, you know, he's constantly trying to brush it under the rug and, and deny his relationship with Batman. But, you know, the, the, Batman is fundamental to Gotham city's enforcement of justice. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, look, uh, you know what? The, the YouTuber makes a really good point about, uh, about the Dark Knight, the movie, The Dark Knight specifically, mm-hmm. in that it's a, it's a really and I, I swear to God, I mean no pun on this. It's a really dark movie, in mm-hmm. that it in, the, in that it challenges this idea of of heroism and why and under what circumstances it could be necessary, and it doesn't, and I think it doesn't use necessary as a shield like necessary is still bad um so in in the, the case of the dark knight yes but i think it's hard it's hard to argue against the idea looking at the nolan trilogy as a whole the entire arc how it starts how it you know in the middle and how it ends it's really hard to argue against the idea that that the Nolan Trilogy does let Batman off too easy. That they do, I mean, you could, you could look at the, the basic facts that, you know, he starts off kind of this, like, cool, fun hero and ends with a, a statue of himself <laughs> in, in Gotham City, you know. Um, granted, he does, you know, stop it from blowing up you know, stop a nuke from going off and under, over a populous area. Um, so, I think I mean, that's the most
0: Adam West that series ever got.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so, really like, it's, all, all is forgiven, right? You know, yeah. you, you sort of save our lives. But we've brought this up before. You think about the, what the Dark Knight accomplished. Probably like the, signa- if we want to get political here, the signature piece of legislation that came out of the Dark Knight was the Dent Act.
0: The most unconstitutional piece of fictional legislation that <laughs> I, either of us, I think, have ever seen. Well, uh, at least either
1: that I can name off the top of my head. Yeah. It's, it, what it did, all I know about it was what they said in the movie, which is that it denied parole for uh, those convicted of organized crime, uh, which, of course, is a uh, fuzzy designation or organized crime uh, that can easily be (laughs) abused by the system um, if it wasn't already unconstitutional in and of itself. Um, And the destruction of that, of that law, is considered villainous. It's a bad thing. People don't want it to happen. And... The this idea, and honestly, this idea that that the Dark Knight could see, you know, challenging that nature of heroism in The Dark Knight Rises, that is considered the villainous perspective, and it actually is the perspective of the main villain, Bane, who talks about being necessary evil. Yeah, you know that, and
0: yeah.
1: and I had also thought about too, like that in. I know we're talking about the Nolan trilogy, but in a lot of other superhero movies, they keep that same thing where the so whoever challenges the structure, be it the government, be it a supervillain, whoever challenges the nature that we should that citizens should give should give up all their liberties to someone with unlimited power and very little oversight, someone who challenges that idea is more often than not the villain um you think of i think of something like you know they tried that arc in like avengers age of ultron they tried that arc a bit in in well a lot in captain america civil war i'd even thought about a uh, a video game that's coming out soon it's injustice 2 it's a dc comics based uh fighting game and the main villain there is brainiac and all he's all he does in the the story trailer for this game and the story of this game is basically call out the hypocrisy of the hypocrisy of these superheroes, so that is, that perspective that hey maybe we shouldn't do this that that's coded as evil
0: in these movies because you know if 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 you aren't okay with that then clearly you have something to hide yeah. clearly you have. <laughs> something to be guilty of you know it's it is very little patience for old school democratic principles
1: yeah so but given that i also have to admit that this is just it's this is as morally complex a question as you know if you see a train barreling toward five people and you could change it cha- You could change the tracks To make it barrel toward one person What would you do? You know? Uh, it,
0: yeah, yeah it,
1: it's, such, it's a difficult question But there's no easy answer to say Because when you think about like Oh, well, bat. You know, they totally gave Batman You know, free reign To do whatever he wanted And, you know, he didn't have to answer to us And then it's like, well, all he did with that power Was stop millions of people from dying
0: <laughs> i mean yeah so he, he makes again it's a matter of giving him an enormous amount of power and saying well he makes the right decisions so we're okay with this and if you're not okay with this you're the bad guy without really being able to question whether or not a he does always make the right decision and b that the right decision is right for everybody or even most people um oh, yeah yeah, no, I mean th- th- that's
1: what I'm saying. Like these are it's it's complex. It's not something I want to call I want to call black and white at all because you know, it's there there is that like you know, kantian greatest good for the greatest number. That idea is is compelling and or if you or if you look at it as results based, you know, again, a, a comp- there's it's a compelling argument to be made. Is it necessarily right and is it necessarily wrong? Ugh. You know, I can I could point it, I could point this out, but if someone was like, "Okay, well, is that a bad thing?" I don't have an easy answer.
0: I think the uh, the best defense I have for the Nolan films, and this does not totally let them off the hook. There's definitely a way things are coded that uh, is certainly it certainly plays into this modern notion that almost virtually all superhero films are guilty of. But I think the one out that the Dark Knight has, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy has, is that Batman's actions are constantly shown as having real and devastating consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Joker only emerges out of a desperation of mob figures that Batman clamps down on, and in fact, uh, you know, as a result of. Uh, You know, Batman doing things like exercising, somehow, the right to seize a foreign figure on Japanese soil, or Chinese soil, uh, Uh, without the permission of any government or agency or anything, just going in and... Capturing him and then putting him in front of the Gotham Police Department and saying well I guess He's ours now you know it's Well I mean that he is that's how You know that is how that works It is but it's it's, uh, The act itself is Horribly undiplomatic And uh, undemocratic It's You know I just thought of another line too In The Dark
1: Knight mm -hmm. Rises anyway where Jim Gordon actually talks about the structures Becoming shackles (laughs)
0: Yeah, there you go. So, you know, he employs these tactics and it, it's not as though it just saves the day and that's the end of it and he has to eventually fight the next villain that comes along. Every villain that emerges follow in, in the Dark Knight trilogy emerges as a result of actions that Batman had previously taken. Um, and all the questionable legally hazy if not just outright immoral things that batman does to enforce his brand of justice um it either ends up manifesting in a worse opposition or it doesn't really give him the you know heroic superhero ending that i think most films would provide him um i'm thinking specifically of uh like for example his cell phone surveillance which yeah, does help him catch the Joker, but what happens when he does catch the Joker? Well, ultimately, he's left to face the, the ultimate effect of the Joker, which is the turning of Harvey Dent mm-hmm. and the destruction of any semblance of actual uh, government, uh, you know, in, uh, government enforced justice in Gotham City. Um, where even the best of them could be torn down, and the Joker was successful in that. Um, you know, every every action in the Dark Knight trilogy seems to have a consequence that the you know that Batman as the hero didn't take into account when he did exercise his extra legal uh, rights upon the citizens of Gotham. So that's definitely a defense you can make, but on the other hand. It's also very clear when the movie is asking you to root for something and when it isn't. <laughs> and I think the movie definitely walks away thinking, well, the cell phone surveillance was morally questionable, but it was for the greater good. And it was uh, it, that was what Bruce Wayne should have done. And that, you know, so I, I again, a more nuanced. Um, I think it's a more nuanced thing than just saying it's it's. Mm, mm, too easy on Batman but I, it does kind of fall into this pattern which to be fair in, in a lot of ways it predates this pattern <laughs> yeah no it really does so and and it was kind of grappling with a lot of these questions so the fact that it doesn't do so flawlessly is to an extent understandable um, because superheroes especially our modern notion of superheroes is kind of I, I mean, that's kind of, this is kind of a question that they've always had to kind of reconcile is they are vigilantes. So how do we respond to them? Is it a necessary but unfortunate thing we need to turn to? Is it positive? Is it inherently negative? Um, I don't know. So it, you know, like in the case of Spider-Man, is it, do, do people embrace him? Should they embrace him? Do they vilify him? Yeah. It, it's all part of the conversation that, you know, I don't think has really gained traction uh, until you get the huge proliferation of superhero films in the market today. So yeah, it's just an interesting topic and I think it's um, especially prone um, to be talked about in relation to the Nolan films, because it seems like of all the superhero movies, that's the one that treats the subject most on the nose. And, (laughs)
1: yeah Well, this is these conversations that we're having this conversation that we're having they had it in the movie they did Who appointed the batman we did yeah Yeah, that's that's what he that's the conversation in the in the hotel you know when when bruce wayne's like oh who appointed the batman and
0: i thought they were at dinner
1: well yeah it was dinner in the hotel that he bought oh it's a hotel okay yeah
0: you got it um
1: yeah, I know, and he's like, yeah, yeah. No, we did. <laughs> uh, you know, the the second we <laughs> let, you know, Scum take over our city, we appointed the Batman.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. that's not to say it's necessarily right, although you could probably say that Christopher Nolan, that's one of those moments that he wanted you to root for, but that's perspective.
0: I think my problem is not that they bring up these questions or even that, uh, it, you know... That they do, or even that Batman does these things. It's that the film, or hell, even even if they struggle to to maybe justify it, you know, it's the fact that the film, despite all the you know nuances and the discussions, it's willing to have in relation to this topic. um, At the end of the day, I feel like they they want you to walk away having an easy answer to the to the question. I feel like in the end, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt becoming Robin. Yeah. Is totally a positive development. He's, he's becoming Batman. Feel-
1: I want to be clear about that. He's becoming
0: Batman, but oh, okay. I'm sorry. He's becoming Batman, but but we're supposed to feel positive about this. It's a, it's an ascent. It's it's literally a, uh, you know, it, it is literally an ascent in the film. Uh, we're we're meant to feel a cathartic positive emotion from this, and. I, I think that that is that kind of trivializes a lot of that conversation. That admittedly Christopher Nolan does be right into his films.
1: Yeah, so. you know, and I actually thought about you know how how it could end in a different way, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking I'm digging a lot from The Dark Knight when when Harvey Dent is talking favorably about Batman. You know, it, that, whether it be at his press conference or another other conversations, but at his press conference where he's like, you know, Batman is an outlaw. And he will answer for his crimes, but n- not, but to us, you know, not yeah. to, not to the Joker. And I'm like, okay, yeah. but he didn't, he didn't ever answer to his crimes. No, he didn't. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe they got a little it, distracted. Maybe yeah. if it ended with him turning himself in, you know?
0: Yeah, there you go. Cause it, cause it, it literally, even if it didn't have that bit with Joseph Gordon Levitt, it ends with him running away. And then being commemorated... Yeah, right? And then being commemorated with a statue. Yeah. I mean, you, you know... Honestly, I, I still think that might be the biggest misstep in the entire series is how The Dark Knight Rises ends. Um, Look, it's... It, it's I mean cinematically very, effective to me, especially with the way... No, it is. That's why I... I it, it's not like it's going to play poorly. It's that... Upon further analysis, it <laughs> really is a big fuck you to a lot of Christopher Nolan's own ideas that he puts forward earlier in the series. And hell, even in the same movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, anyway, it is, it's It's a conversation that could go on for way too long. And uh, probably Paris, already
1: has <laughs> it.
0: It has. Yeah. Um, and we're just two big fucking nerds. So let's uh, let's move on.
1: Yeah, well, what are we doing now? What we to, what's on the itinerary?
0: Well, did you... Okay, well... Shit. I feel like we just need to... Get bring into up, it. Well, no. We need to bring up the... Uh, we need to bring up the uh, blue elephant in the room. Blue elephant. It's a very minor character from Return of the Jedi, so I, I kind of realized that I, you know... It oh, might be a little obscure. The Star Wars trailer.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. We could give a little lip service to the Star Wars trailers. or a little... You know, I know life.
0: that I feel like no one really understands that we like Star Wars on this podcast, so um, it, might, it might benefit us to mention this trailer and uh, say that we, we do are... We, we are, uh, you know, we, we, we've been known to dabble in, in Star Wars lore.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we think about it every now and then.
0: This is uh, laser swords and <laughs> ray guns and all those doodads.
1: Um, man, it's been a while since I've seen the last Jedi trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come. To I think me, I. Man.
0: Oh, I. Uh, I mean, I've I've been reading shot by shot analyses of it since it came <laughs> out, so. You know, good, I mean, I, 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 hey, there's some great revelations in it. Um, Captain Phasma is alive and returning, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. And um, she's
1: probably a video game character.
0: T- I don't care. I want I want Gwendolyn Christie. I want I want there to be more of that character. I want to know more about Captain Phasma because I feel like she got absolutely shafted. in. <laughs> literally. <laughs> she got shafted. Thrown down literally. a shaft, yeah. Thrown down a garbage compactor. Yeah. Um, uh we know that there will be some, blood hopefully not, t- there will be blood, uh, there will be some hopefully not too Yoda-esque training going on, and of course, the bit in the trailer that is clearly got everyone freaking out, is Luke Skywalker saying that the Jedi should end.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember that being a big thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, it was a little significant.
1: That's, like, one of the things I remember the most from the trailer, actually. Um, I mean, because yes. that is, let me tell you, a debate. Like, <laughs> they're dipping some toes into, into some turbulent water.
0: There hasn't been a debate this big since we were trying to figure out whether Jedi was plural or singular.
1: No. <laughs> Shut
0: up. <laughs> um, it's, look, it's a trailer line. That's going to play very well in the actual film itself. It's uh,
1: but if we know anything about good trailer lines, it's probably not even going to be in it. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> Save the rebellion.
1: <laughs> Save the Jedi. <laughs> um.
0: So the, the the debate raging about whether you know what did Luke really mean by this and. Is he saying that it should be replaced by something else, or is he just—is this just his uh, initial reluctance to train Rey and uh, all these all these dueling theories going around?
1: What I mean, I don't know if it's just like he's gotten really annoyed, you know, by Obi Wan and Yoda just constantly being around him all the time for eternity. Um, but he's definitely got a bone to pick with the Jedi. Watching My- watching watch him,
0: watch him jerk off all the time, given. Him- <laughs> He's like, can I have a moment? <laughs> I've been on a planet with sand most of my life, and now I'm here. Um,
1: but the other, the more plausible theory is simply that he's come to a a, real, a realization. Maybe not. A, maybe it's not correct that the Jedi
0: create the Sith. Right, and so, kind of, in a way, a, seg- a uh, segue from the conversation we just had.
1: Yeah, about, <laughs> about but whether or not these Batman extra, creates these the extra, world that needs Batman.
0: These extrajudicial enforcers uh, sometimes create and give rise to the very things they're fighting against.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, uh, it doesn't help. The, the prequel trilogies, of course, didn't help when they made the Jedi like this weird extra-governmental organization. That at times act as direct assassins for or the just, government,
0: and then other times act as diplomats, and then other times act as an army. Yeah, or so we I really, guess generals, I should say.
1: Yeah, exactly. They give uh, they give orders to the army. They so plan we really wars. Don't know what the exact role is, but well, if I it t- is if it t- is anything like that, or, and was in this in the meantime that is between episode six and episode seven. And, yeah, I could see how he went there. But, of course, this is a man, Luke Skywalker, who went through a lot that was alluded to by The Force Awakens. You know, he tried to rebuild the Jedi, trained a bunch more people, one of whom uh, was Kylo Ren. And that didn't turn out well, so he's probably probably a little, a little over this whole Jedi thing.
0: <laughs> you know there's a lot of backstory there that i'm you know we're all i think looking forward to <laughs> the pre finding out more about, about. <laughs> yeah yeah um god <laughs> so you, you know it's it's a moment that i think was supposed to play really big and i'm like yeah that that makes sense you know it, it it's it's a good twist. It, it's not totally out of left field, but it's surprising. Um, you know, but I, I was I was kind of like I was already sick of hearing fan theories the minute I heard the line. Yeah, no, I mean, I just like it came out of his mouth. I was like, oh god, no! You're N- like, no! This, what did you do? What if you do, you have opened up a Pandora's box, you fools? I just think it's a
1: lot simpler than people want to make it Oh, probably yeah okay yeah
0: i I think it's just yeah that makes total sense i I, I think we're in the middle of okay here's the thing uh crazy theories about game of thrones Mm. kind of makes sense to me you know it's kind of a crazy show weird things happen there are a lot of characters a lot of moving parts uh that was a sex double entendre and uh dicks penises wieners Wieners, lots of wieners. I'm obsessed and- with wieners. What about HBO? <laughs> um, you know, crazy fan theories. Yeah, yo, know, I'll just say Occam's Razor doesn't always apply. Star Wars, and look, I am a huge fan of Star Wars. Star Wars is not a very complicated series. <laughs> it is, uh, uh, in fact, one could argue. The most thematically complex Star Wars movies are the prequels. <laughs> they're the ones with the most ambition to be thematically complex, and they're I'll say. the worst ones. Look, Star Wars is not really conducive to deep, thoughtful speculation. It is—it is very surface level. Um, you could definitely look at its influences, its cultural, uh, the cultural evolution of many of its arcs over history, and how it reincorporated them. That's totally valid. But you know, saying that like I don't know, this this to me is like analyzing whether or not Luke's gonna blow up the Death Star in in A New Hope. It's just not the
1: the real analysis here is whether or not he's gonna blow up the Death Star in the Last Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Love
0: a god. We uh we don't really know what to do, sir. It's fully
1: so, operational we, battle station.
0: We just made a biggerer and betterer Death Star. At this point, it's a biggerer. It, yeah, it 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 would be the fourth, fourth Death Star. The
1: fourth Death Star, the fourth blowing up of the Death
0: no, Star. No, no, it's Star Killer Base. It's a, it's different. Something, something different. <laughs> There's topography and mountains. Oh, yeah, okay. That changed
1: a whole fucking lot. Seriously, that is just. It's. Every time I think, like, you know, I just. I just really didn't give The Force Awakens a fair shake, you know? It's just a good, And then I fucking remember that they did the exact same goddamn thing that they just had to make a whole movie to clear up for one of them. I had to make a whole movie to clear up for one of them. And then there were two more afterwards. Apparently they had the exact same fucking problem. And they blew it up in the exact same
0: goddamn way. That's why I think... Look, hey, that projects... That, that reflects more poorly on, on Rogue One than it does on The Force Awakens.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean,
0: because why the fuck did I just spend two hours learning about how the death star got this horrible defect when it seems to be just baked into every single one of them
1: see i don't know i i definitely see that more as a problem with star wars canon than with
0: than
1: with, than with the rogue one itself but whatever
0: um yeah. anyway um uh, you know it, so yeah great trailer very compelling but uh it's we know what Star Wars. They, it's like you can almost just feel. them. was like, oh, you know, it'll really tickle their buttons. <laughs> Luke Skywalker's gonna say the Jedi should end, and just you know, cumulatively they all just it begins seeing money everywhere. Like I don't know, it's it's Look, just. I'm, I'm admittedly just thankful bunker. that he's not.
1: Just saying that she's too old to begin the training, you know. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> they're doing something else. <laughs> too yeah, old. too old to begin the training. Um, <laughs> it's a little creepy how how young Jedi start training, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, look, especially when they can't love,
1: <laughs> right? Look, they, 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 we no, I'm not gonna, no, I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> We're moving on. Because okay. there's also a Star Wars video game That's coming out that is canon uh, Is a- this N-O-N. Battlefront 2? Yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 2, did you ever watch that trailer? Uh, nope <laughs> Good, no no no, that's good Because uh, I'll just I'll just explain to you how cool I think this story is okay. um, It takes place The The trailer opens From the perspective of Empire Special Forces people Who are on the forest moon of Endor And they look up Into the sky As the second Death Star is blowing up, and then the basic plot is, now what?
0: Um, Okay, okay, just stop right there. That could also be a really funny Robot Chicken sketch.
1: I was just about to say, (laughs) I was just about to bring up Robot Chicken, because Robot Chicken actually pointed out a pretty hilarious, I think, plot hole that's that's left or a loose end at the end of return of the jedi which is okay you blew up the death star you killed the emperor the war is over you won mm-hmm. wait because it, it's actually from the perspective i think the robot check, chicken skit is from the perspective of like a few people aboard like a ship it's like oh they won all right let's go let's go he's like he's like wait we're not gonna fight him we still have you know like armies and a whole and empire stuff and it's like they blew up the Death Star before he's like no you, they didn't get the Emperor though you gotta get both <laughs> you gotta get both
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically the same logic that like you kill the boss and all the drones die <laughs> right yeah. so um,
1: so yeah I mean it's cool that they're going to sort of like address that and that's where the rumors come that the main character in Star Wars Battlefront 2 who is a woman they're like Captain Phasma <laughs> nice yeah so maybe <laughs> i don't know we'll see we should, we do need to move on let's move on to our movie okay. your name all right
0: uh your name this is the main movie we're doing uh it actually i you know, i first heard about it um uh chris stuckman a pretty popular youtube reviewer he uh, put it on his top films from last year um so he was able to see it early um, and uh, he pretty- He's pretty big anime fan, and I was just, you know, I had never heard of it before. It sounded very intriguing, and uh, I had no idea that I would ever even hear about it again until it kind of blew up this year. Like, it just started, it, it, it took over Japan's box office, mm-hmm. and uh, has been kind of, you know, it, it's been kind of making... You know, if not front page movie headlines, then you know just it. it, It's been definitely hipster back
1: pages.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that that, an anime film doesn't often do that. It's on uh, IMDb's top two fifty already. So yeah, it's uh, it it's prominent, and Mm -hmm. I uh, am actually happy that that finally pushed me to see it.
1: yeah it's funny too because you brought this up to me and i was like oh yeah i'll look into that and then like i think like a few days later my friend was like have you seen your name yet and i'm like what what the fuck
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's just kind of like this cultural it's almost it, it feels like a sleeper almost even though i i had never heard of the director before um apparently he's got a huge following he does yeah and i i hadn't heard of him and you know me i i, I have uh um satoshi khan sized hole in my heart satoshi khan being the uh, the director of uh anime films like uh, paprika and perfect mm-hmm. blue and uh millennium actress Man, perfect um,
1: Blues, that's a great movie got a steel book and it's region two yep.
0: but i still and, own
1: it because it's great
0: <laughs> and i'm jealous uh hey i thought you to rip the i well i did i have the digital that copy works. on my computer okay, good, but good. yeah um yeah just a phenomenal filmmaker who passed away a few years ago um and I, you know, obviously there's Miyazaki, but that's just such a unique uh, voice. It's it's it, not really anything like Satoshi Kon. So I was kind of waiting for the next like you know, up and coming anime filmmaker, and uh, I think I might have found him. <laughs> yeah. So
1: here, here's the thing. I wanna I wanna give. I basically wanna say nothing about. This movie, more than anything, more than any other movie in recent recent memory, your name has given me so much more disdain for the "what's it about" question.
0: Mm, um,
1: God. So, because, here's the thing: I recommended this movie, and I'm, I'm I recommend this movie to my friend, and I'm going to recommend this movie right now to everyone listening. And oh I'm going yes, to uh, me
0: too. I just want to uh, me too uh, very loudly. Yeah, and I'm going to insist that our
1: I'm going to insist that our listeners, uh, if you care even a little bit. Um, yeah. To if you haven't seen this movie, just stop right now. See this movie and or skip ahead, um, because if you just hear about this movie, it's not going to do it justice. So here here's where this came up. I was I recommended this movie to my friend. I was like, oh, that's your name, and he's like, oh yeah, that's uh, I heard about that one. That's the one where they they swap bodies at night, and I'm like, <laughs> what, what
0: fuck, the fuck you. <laughs> I mean I mean okay, just to be clear to people who have if they're still here who haven't seen it, they do but that's that's the pre that's the setup yeah. <laughs> of this movie that's the that's the first five minutes
1: i mean and, and it that's the thing this there's so many times where the question what's it about completely fails completely fails at its purpose which is to mm. tell you what you're going to get from the movie and I mean, of course, there's extreme examples like Pulp Fiction, which is, of course, not about someone trying to get a briefcase to a certain location. Um, and then there's more nuanced examples like this. And, and to say that your name is about people who swap bodies at night, uh, while technically true at times, is a gross Such a disservice. It, yeah, it's- a gross disservice. To the movie itself, that it actually got me a little mad at my friend, who of course did nothing wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, he hadn't seen it yet at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But you know, anyone just anyone who like looks up a plot synopsis, you know, that's probably what they're gonna see, mm-hmm. and it's bullshit. So there's that. <laughs>
0: oh uh just a quick correction uh because i i, I feel bad if i get this wrong and don't correct it uh your name is the fourth highest grossing film in japan history in japan's history uh, spirited away is still number one
1: um in japan yes but your name is the highest grossing anime film worldwide which includes uh spirited away.
0: oh okay yeah. there you go dude all right um Okay, so so we we agree that it, that is a reductive, to say the least, <laughs> um, yes. way to describe this film. But how does one go about describing this film?
1: Well, that's the thing. I if I wanted to just attack that description at its at its core or at its most superficial levels, I could talk about how. It doesn't conform to the conventions of a body swap genre, which is a genre, by the way. You see it in movies like The Hot Chick, Freaky Friday, Seventeen Again, Eighteen Again. The list goes on. Um, I think there was probably a Buffy episode about it. And yeah. So, but it it uh, subverts the the fundamentals of that the conventions of that genre in several different ways. One being that the that the body swapping isn't permanent; it, it's intermittent comes and goes um and also this is a spoiler but i think i've already warded off anyone who hasn't seen this movie already so uh, <laughs> that mm-hmm. that the stopping well switching back isn't the end goal whenever there's a body swap movie the body swaps they find out that their body swaps and then it, the the plot is already written for them how do we stop this you and i mean Look, when I started when I started your name, I identified it immediately as a sort of quirky Japanese take on this body swap genre. You know, I mean it even even to the point where it was tied into an astrological event, you know? Um, mm. but then it completely changes because about the halfway mark of the movie they stopped swapping and that's not really a that's not really and so the rest of the movie isn't about them trying to undo this thing that was done through some sort of cosmic means. I think, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. was my point, so I don't know why I'm yeah, to no,
0: it's, yeah to Yeah, no, it's, a good, it's a good point. Um, I mean, really, it's way more so than any body swap movie I've ever seen. It, it, this is, look, I think the most succinct way to say it is that your name is fundamentally just a, a a film about the difficulty of two people making a connection yeah that's it's a romance movie you it's, know? A, it's a it's a romance movie that is i mean has virtually no direct interaction between the two romantic leads <laughs> and, and and I I, I realized that I probably just evoked the lake house for some people, and I oh just God, uh, I really no. regret that. Um, and I look, I it's Keanu Reeves' wishes. I feel like nothing that uh, this film addresses uh, or, or or brings up in terms of theme is necessarily very complex or hard to understand. It is just beautifully expressed, either just in terms of visual sumptuousness, which like, I, I think that this might be a contender for the most gorgeous animation I've ever seen. Um, Oh yeah. At least for 2d animated films, traditionally Um, animated. Yeah. uh, In terms of its visual storytelling and the way that it, um, will use landscapes as uh, metaphorically potent symbols. Um, the way that uh, it will do these, like, a seamless transit. Like, there was one very cool, I mean, in real life it would be a trick shot, but it's animation, yeah. um, <laughs> where it's you know, you're staring at a plate full of food and a cell phone camera comes up to take a picture of the food, and when the phone drops back down, it's empty. Um, there's just a visually playful element. It's fun, it's light, but it's also uh, a film that, you know, takes itself seriously and realizes it's, uh, you you know, it, it, you realize more and more as it, 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 again, it's kind of a film where you don't really fully understand what it was about or what it was trying to communicate until, until it does (laughs) until it's, until, yeah. And and pretty much until the end. I mean, it's, you know, I I feel like it it constantly feels like it's, you, you feel like it's setting you up for a conventional, body swap film and which
1: i was enjoying even i know, was enjoying i was that like thing.
0: oh this is it's, cute i like this it's an interesting you know the, the, it, it's it's interesting you just see them kind of play out this uh, uh, just to for some background on the film which are we going to give that because it's yeah we, i mean
1: look as i said i've already we've already spoiled and i've already like warded off everybody i've to my the best of my ability i've worded off people who haven't seen this so is kelsey Does kelsey seen this yet
0: uh i i am not in the room with her right now so oh uh, i just i know she's a she's a listener of ours so. uh, she is a listener now uh no Hi kelsey she not she has not um she should mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and actually i might watch it with her and her sister if, if we can because uh, uh her sister's a very big anime fan okay oh, so, um if she hasn't already seen it, I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, but yeah, just, just, yeah, bare bones is who these characters are. Uh, Taki is a, a Tokyo boy, uh, goes to high school, has a job, basically just your typical metropolitan existence. Uh, Mitsuha is a, uh, small town girl <laughs> living in a lonely world. Living
1: in a lonely world, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: Uh, wait, wait, what did she do after that, and where where did she go?
0: Well, there is a midnight train, <laughs> but it only goes one way. One one, okay, yeah, to <laughs> Tokyo. Um, no, it, she's uh, it, it, she very much lives in a world uh, defined by tradition, by uh, you know, the land, by nature, um, which I think the filmmaker does such a good job of of not. Uh, of really bringing out the beauty and wonder of both landscapes and both ways of life in ways that feel really fresh and, uh, just to, you know, that are completely stunning. Uh, but also uh, allowing you to empathize with this notion of feeling trapped that both of the characters, particularly, uh, Mitsua, uh, experience.
1: Yeah. No, it's funny. Like if I were, if I were to like take notes, on this movie as i'm watching it i would have to erase every note i made (laughs) before the like the half hour mark because i remember thinking i was like oh wow this is a nice like body swap movie it's put to you know there's like some there's some cultural themes going on of class as well you know
0: (laughs) and mitsu is totally gonna learn that her country life isn't so bad and uh she's gonna gain a newfound appreciation for it and uh yeah yeah right (laughs) You know, everything will be fine.
1: Um, man, I did like, though, the, the, while these things were there, I suppose, certainly not center stage. And um, I, I liked the, the... One of the particular bits um, that's stuck in my mind is when uh, she meets in, with inside Taki's body and she uses the wrong pronoun? Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, so,
0: it, it's... it's, it's it's a reference to... It, it, she's saying I.
1: Yeah, which of or, course or, I in English is I no matter it's, it's what gender not, you are. It's not
0: gendered, yeah.
1: Yeah, but then there's like Ore and Boku and Watashi and Watakashi hmm mm-hmm. um, and she uses the wrong one and, and that her friends are like, hmm. And it's just it's this great moment that and that's part where I was like, oh wow, this is like it's cool to see this narrative from a
0: different culture. And then it's like Well, there's also a small moment that I feel like you definitely wouldn't get in an American film, like uh uh one uh one of Taki's friends after um, they're kind of thinking back to one of the days when Mitsuo was in his body unbeknownst to them and uh how different he was acting and he's just like oh he was kind of cute and it's like what <laughs> yeah um yeah definitely i mean but as
1: i said like it's all just like whew, boy does it change <laughs> it's and, yeah yeah i mean it, it definitely becomes more of a like a cosmic romantic story and as you said about the difficulty of two people trying to connect
0: it's it's about yeah it is I, I mean that that's what stuck out to me and I, I feel like you know I know that there are uh, nuances and, and uh, you know elements that would stick out to someone who is a more is, is more well versed in anime that are probably lost on me um, so I'm probably hugely oversimplifying this
1: um, well it's not as simple but- as the one where they switch bodies at night
0: that's true. Um, yeah, no, I I'm giving it a little more credit than that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, I, I think it's a film about, yeah, it, it, it yeah. It, I mean, that's just the most succinct way I can describe it that doesn't ruin the execution, that doesn't uh, give away anything or. Um, dull the impact of wow that was dark um <laughs> oh no dull, dull the impact of uh, a giant meteor of the story a giant meteor destroys that kills everyone it kills everyone everyone, Fucking everyone. everyone in that town and in that timeline that's true yeah <laughs> yeah wait no it's uh, just in that town oh yeah i mean it's just in that town Okay. <laughs> but but but, but in that ti- no, no, no but no but in that timeline though I mean they, there's the if you change it yeah 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 they, they change it you're right yeah um, but yeah it, it's a uh, obviously it'll be hard to talk about it much more than just getting into a, a, a play-by-play for the plot, a plot uh, yeah I know exactly so I, I'm basically just calling out little cute moments that I uh, really enjoyed. Uh, like, for example, when um, Mitsua is racing at, to her father to try and convince him to help the town evacuate before the meteor hits, um, you know, having given knowledge that pieces of it are going to break away and effectively kill a third of the town's population. Um, and she had just interacted with uh, Taki they had met for the first time face to face in this kind of like, you know, twilight. Yeah, it's literally twilight. It is this kind of in-between space where their two disparate time periods converge, um, and it's just really beautiful moment that, that they don't. Um, I like the, they don't make it uh, soppy or anything. They're still like kind of teasing each other about like mundane stuff, and it's it, it felt very organic. Um, anyway, she's racing back and she trips and falls trying to and she's still trying to remember his name because that that's another element in this film is the fluid nature of memory and, and dreams and how they kind of you know it'll seem like the most important and all-consuming thing one moment and but no matter what the memory will slowly fade away they, so they keep trying to remember each other's names hence the name of the film the title of the film um and she's forgetting it but they uh wrote or at least he wrote on her hand its name she thought so she takes a look at it as she's like fallen on the ground to try and remember his Taki's name and it just says I love you right I think it was just something about what the film took to get to that moment because I knew that in any other context I could have been really cheesy and it was just like the most I don't know it was just like one of the most like heart warming things I had ever seen.
1: I know, right before, in that moment where she tries to write her name and then it, the music just hard cuts it's, and the oh, pen just falls this, to the
0: ground, it, I'm like... Oh. This is also something I want to um, I want to highlight is the film's use of not, not just music, which is very anime, I will say that. Well, um, I, I
1: will say, though, the soundtrack is awesome and I've been listening amazing. to it on Spotify it's pretty amazing. much
0: constantly. It's amazing. It's also very anime so I just want to like but but its use of silence at key moments is unbelievably impactful um it it's it, it kind of just brings to the fore for me how inundated we are i think with you know what music is supposed to, the hollywood system for what music is supposed to be used in certain places and you know uh, you know how to guide the emotions of the audience most effectively this i I, I love it when a film could just like add a crucial emotional moment take all distraction away and just make you focus super intently on this one element mm-hmm. and uh yeah I don't know it it didn't it, it hit me in those moments really just how rare that is and made me appreciate it all the more
1: well your name I think one of my one of my other takeaways is that it's really good at dramatically shifting tone like in an instant mm-hmm. while also making that tonal shift feel justified yeah like every, i mean even even in his like most shocking twist which is that you find out like oh a meteor destroyed this town <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's why you're no longer you know body swapping that's why you can't communicate anymore you know and that that's why and people are forgetting about this too you know of course i mean in uh, you can kind of see a greater theme in a lot of japanese films about you know society forgetting a national tragedy um, but I, even you don't have to apply it as broadly and when when that moment comes up i that that's that's a very clear pivot and in these other moments it it managed to create a narrative that was both, that was was both sappy and serious, was was both uh, somber and optimistic. So when it touches on either of those uh, at, at any given point and switches between them, I don't feel too jarred because it was always that type of movie at one point or another, and what? that's a really elegant way to construct a to construct a narrative.
0: Yeah yeah fluctuating a tone like that is i, I mean uh, when pulled off correctly it's it makes it, uh, your film is all the stronger for it you know it it's it's incredibly difficult to pull off and i think more often than not we get just tonal confusion as a result um, so yeah i would i would say that the you the, the deployment and var- fluctuations of tone in your name is pretty like a masterful seems to be a an apps way to describe it there yeah it's someone who really understands how the movies work and how people experience them and what sorts of what 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 sorts of uh how how they can steer it and what they can get away with Yeah, Um,
1: you you have to be able to play to your audience but also play with your audience
0: yeah um, and I remember when you posted about this which is how I first knew that you really loved the film you basically said like you know Pixar ate your heart out um, <laughs> yeah I but, was like Pixar ain't got shit on this <laughs> but, but, yeah I mean this I think could really stand a like it's the the very touching personal uh, I, I, I don't know it, that understanding of its of, of just I don't know of people and that gentle approach even when it's being even when it's ripping your heart out um <laughs> it, i just it could stand it could definitely stand with pixar's best films i think well, yeah and uh, i
1: think too it, 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 like a lot of these stories we've seen from pixar it has a pretty strong fantastical element to it you know whether or not it's like uh, inside Out, the idea that your emotions are controlling you in some in some way, or you know, up with this whole you know floating house thing. These are all vehicles to tell a certain type of story. But I think your name, your your name actually exposed sort of like a flaw to these a flaw in these stories is that whether or not whether or not um, the traditional Pixar story. Uh, uh, panders to children i don't think they do very often they're, they're very good about that but it's still a story that's aimed at children you know maybe in a more maybe in a more uh mature way than other than many movies but to me your name came off so much more meaningful because it was so much more abiding and so much more mature than the things i've seen from from Pixar overall. So I, I love, I love Pixar movies and I never, you know, um, well, most of them,
0: you basically get that wide eyed, uh, and, you know, humanistic touch applied to a more adult story.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there, there are ways that you could do this without, you know, without having, a one particular very young audience in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Actually, I would I would love to see them go in this direction, um, P- Pixar, because uh, it, I mean, fuck, it made. I mean, that's the thing, it, it reminds me of the way something like Wall-E is just somehow just works, even though it must have been one hell of a gamble to to, oh, pit, yeah. to, to pitch um you know same thing kind of applies here i think and i would love to see pixar kind of go back in that direction and take you know take more chances like that uh tell more sophisticated stories and and you know risk alienating some of your audience if it's going to be a more enriching experience for the majority of it yeah that would be awesome so Um, Anyway, and I don't want to, like, end this with a reference to to Pixar. I really did love your name. And uh, the director whose name I'm going to... We haven't really said his name. I'm going to try and pronounce it just to... You know, I I apologize in advance. um, But I just want to at least name this man I am expressing so much admiration for. um, Makoto Shinkai is the director. And I... uh, We we might have to actually do... um, Some retrospectives on him, yeah. Well, we might need to I mean, look, if we're aptly impressed, we might be able to bring it up in third segments in the future. Um, I particularly heard great things about uh, uh, the place promised in our early days. Okay. Which is... uh, Yeah, so... um, Yeah, uh, he's... Yeah, I, I really look forward to checking out more by him.
1: Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Uh, it's probably, at this point, my favorite film of uh, 2017.
0: I um, wouldn't really argue with that either.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the year is young. <laughs> Caveat, uh, the year is young. But, I mean, it's great. And it's having a limited, I think it's still in a limited U.S. theatrical run. So if it's going playing anywhere near you, please see it. It'll probably never, ever come out on, on home media in America, so I'm sorry. Uh, you know, but well, one thing I will say, this is actually, in my mind, one of the strongest candidates for the Criterion Collection mm-hmm. that an animated film has posed in a while.
0: So The, the problem is, though, that we do have a, an American studio who is behind the American release. We both watched a subbed version of the movie, but the one in theaters right now is dubbed. And uh, by, I believe, Funimation?
1: Yes, but it's, it's
0: being handled
1: by Funimation. That's how so, I that's how I was saying that it's uh, not going to have a Blu-ray release anytime soon. So,
0: yeah, I mean if Funimation's not interested, yeah, maybe they can just throw Criterion a bone. They're yeah, like, so, hey, I mean, they are hungry for animated films.
1: Well, that's the thing; man. they haven't had any, you know, out.
0: They've had, they've had. Sorry, sorry,
1: that was my cat. I mean, yeah, they haven't had any in a while. They've had three. Um, Is that three now?
0: What yeah, well, Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Akira? Down. No, they don't have Akira.
1: I think they have Akira.
0: No, they don't. Trust mm. me, I would. If they had Akira, I would own it. They had a laser disc of Akira. Oh, that, that's, yeah,
1: that's what. Sort of, okay, but
0: that's not their current. They they restarted numbering for DVDs. You're right. Yeah. You're right.
1: Okay. So yeah, they have. I suppose they technically have two. Even so, they have almost. They're pushing 900 films right now. So they've elevated two slash three of uh, of uh, all of those as uh, you know animated films so um and i think i i read a like a reddit i read a reddit post about this it kind of made sense they're like you know a lot of animated films that are beloved by the film going community are in good hands you know Uh, Miyazaki films, you can all get home, home media versions of them. You probably already have them. Uh, Pixar films, are you fucking kidding me? Disney Disney has them. They're fine.
0: You know, well, that's I still why, think yeah, this that, doesn't
1: that, explain fucking Iron Giant that languished uh, for a fucking oh, decade without a Blu-ray release. Um, but with your name, hey...
0: That's not going to be a. Yeah, that's not going to sell. That's not going to uh, be a good hands. A, a lot of. Yeah, that, that, that's going to. If it gets a release at all, it's going to be. Uh, you know. I wouldn't hold my breath for great special features. I, or, I wouldn't even
1: hold my breath for a fucking Region 1 release of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's the thing. That's why I have kind of shied away from the conversation about more animated films of the Criterion Collection. Because most animated films have so much behind them. That yeah, the the studios are going to treat them really well on Blu-ray. You're going to get a really nice edition of it without the Criterion Collection. The Criterion Collection is for films that you're not going to be able to experience otherwise. That's yeah, it's sort of like a way to preserve these films. Yeah, I mean, in a large part, that's one of many things. But yeah, that's that's one of their prime functions, and. Disney don't need that. They don't need not, uh, it, it not in a, even in an alternative universe where they would give up the rights to the, any of their movies to Criterion. <laughs> right. They don't need to. That's not a prerogative, and I, I think Criterion would agree. And um,
1: even even Miyazaki films don't need him. You know, those are they have such a big Miyazaki is one of the most like recognizable names that even if you even if you don't really follow his films, you have probably heard his name and know him as a filmmaker just from that name. Yeah.
0: I mean, his films, too, though, have Disney distributing them in the States. So, yes. you know, you get, yeah, they're fine. Um, stuff like your name needs to be, uh, needs to be, criteria needs to put their resources to promoting a film like that, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my old plug overall. Um and I don't think I have anything else. So, I mean, are you, do you want cool. to move on to our third segment? Probably our third, one of our weirdest movies we've reviewed on the third segment.
0: This is the most third segment movie we I think we've ever reviewed on this show. Uh,
1: yeah, so this one was put, put forth by me. It's called Finders Keepers. Um, it tells the story that you maybe, maybe had seen on your. Uh, you might
0: remember from Yahoo! You That's might remember
1: story? it from Yahoo, yeah.
0: Before or, clicking over you know, to the weather or your email or you know, yeah, your local one of those, news channel. Just one of those quirky stories that you you know, you know, just see in your news feed, get a quick laugh out of it, and then totally forget about as you move on to something else.
1: Yeah, um, it, 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 was, it tells the story of a man who bought a uh, storage uh, container, st- um, storage unit, <laughs> at an auction. Well, he- because the, the owner of yeah. the... Well, the, sorry, the person who was renting the storage unit didn't pay, so they auctioned off all the stuff inside. Um, this this man bought it, uh, this very eccentric man, and there was a, a, a grill, technically a smoker, but, you know, what have you, uh, inside this storage unit, and inside the grill was a, a human foot. And then... It doesn't end there. It, that it begins there. It begins there. Um, the person who the person whose foot that belongs to uh, preserved it purposefully after he lost it and wants it back
0: to help create a memorial to his father. James, can I can I just interrupt for a moment? Sure. Yes, of course. Did did we ever? I do not remember him ever explaining how he intended to to memorialize his father? Yeah. I mean... So... This is... And this is something I'll probably bring up again, because there's a detail later on in the movie (laughs) that that I was a little confused at as well. But it was kind of this whole idea of what he really wanted with the foot. I mean, symbolically... Symbolically, I understand why it was important to him. But he wanted to do something with it practically that would memorialize his father. And I feel like I was never really aware of what that was.
1: Okay, I I get what you're saying. Uh, I also want to say that I think the overall arc he goes through asks that same question. Okay, all right. So, here's the thing. This movie um, was actually... I had mentioned this to you earlier. I don't know if you remember it, because... Um, it's it's by the same creative minds I should say as a, a documentary you may have heard of even more um, called uh, the King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters, um, which is about one man competing for the high the world record high score in Donkey Kong, trying to take it away from another person um, who may be a little weird. Now. And these two documentaries by the same creative minds, and more than anything, they tell me of the the story. They tell me is how tragic a job, tragically terrible a job, local news does at actually capturing (laughs) the humans behind the stories they tell. Yes,
0: this is yeah. This is basically the, the the pretext behind this movie is basically just the idea of taking two characters from those throwaway novelty articles that you either like just scan through or read the headline of uh, just for kicks to start your day and then move on to something else. Um, And uh, just keep digging and keep going and find out more and more about the people behind that story. And 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 it's amazing what you'll find. Yeah. I mean, God, we could let's just
1: watch local news and we're going to make a fucking good documentary off of anything that they don't they don't cover well enough. Bruce, um, yeah, I, you, I mean, no, really. I mean, their, their next movie, I got the, they got the scoop on this. I, I think it's probably public knowledge, but their next movie is about uh, chess boxing, which apparently is exactly what you think it is. I don't even know what I think it is. <laughs> it's some mix of chess and boxing, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, all right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they they tell me how terrible a job the local news does, um, and I think in in that respect, Finders Keepers may even d- may have even done it better than a King of Kong fistful quarters because a King of Kong is doesn't the King of Kong doesn't tell this story doesn't capture the story of Billy Mitchell as much as it does his, his competitor. Um, you know, and if I were to draw a comparison, God, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting his competitor's name. So I'm terrible. Um, uh, Steve
0: Weeb, of course. Um, I have not seen the King of Kong, so I can't, uh...
1: that's fine. Um, so yes, yeah, Steve Weeb was sort of the, um, well, sorry, Billy Mitchell was sort of the Shannon Wisnant character, and and Steve Weeb was John, um, and they the, Finder's Keepers does a good job of really exploring who both these people are, and I I'm really attracted to documentaries of this style because they 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 only have one premise, and that's that everybody is a person, everybody is somebody, everyone's a human. That's I named three things, but they're also that's the one thing.
0: <laughs> they're uh, they're a carbon based life form. They are a uh, biped. Stop. They Stop. are a, okay. <laughs>
1: they're humanoids. They're mammals. No wait.
0: They're, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, um. So and th- that to me is. I mean, it's this isn't by the same creative team, but it reminded me of the documentary that I ended up putting on my top ten last year, Wiener, which is like, you know, I
0: was thinking that too. Um, yeah, okay.
1: Wiener is. I mean, he's a he was a joke you know it's like i heard about this guy long before i ever saw the movie he was just like ha the guy's name wiener and he got busted for dick pics ha and then mm-hmm. it's like okay well who's this guy
0: um you know what's a weird documentary i was thinking about that it, it, it's the, the connection may be tenuous because the structure is very different but um i'm sorry the uh the reveal is very different the structure actually is kind of what reminded me of it uh, nuts From last year. Oh, yeah. Well, just the idea of starting off with the... In Nuts' case, it was the lie. But with the public-facing story. With what everyone who had read about this topic beforehand would know. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of zooming out gradually throughout the entire thing... Um, nuts it kind of comes with a huge seismic shift but you know slowly becoming uh, painting a more human again sorry um, that's fine a more human picture of what actually went into making I mean what history remembers the actual people behind the legends Um, you know I say legends with a bit of irony in this case but you know it's it, it's amazing how I don't know, I't it's amazing how much you find when uh, you know you just kind of follow the journalistic instinct to keep on finding out more about people
1: yeah and in, and in this case they're actually able to tell a I mean a really harrowing story of, of addiction and how it can result you know from tragedy or really just anywhere um, and that's. You
0: Uh, Oh, sorry. You also have the this story of the great American tragedy of a uh, of a man's downfall brought about by his own hubris. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you're referring to Shannon. Shannon Wisdom. I'm
0: referring to Shannon, who I also referred to before this podcast as. uh, Redneck Jordan Belfort. <laughs> Redneck Jordan
1: Belfort. Yeah, um, I mean, he also known as the Footman or the Leg Man.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, the, the guy who is uh, intent on succeeding no matter what, uh, always wants to uh, make a profit. Always wants to uh, get the most out of everything he's dealt. When he gets a Decaying foot in his grill, he will make a profit off of it. Hey, that's but, his ticket. That's his ticket. Uh, he's going to sell uh, access to the foot $3 for adults, $1 for a kid, <laughs> and uh, make that money. Then, when the owner of the foot, original owner of the foot, demands it back, he is. A going to assert his rights to the foot because he bought the grill and the foot was in the grill, and um, maybe try to cut him in and all and maybe try to cut him in and um, no matter what though he is going to get the story circulating through the news and yeah, I mean, he's going to make sure everyone knows his name.
1: And and here's the thing too I thought originally I thought like yeah these are two two people going through two different things and I'm like it struck me this most recent time I watched it for this for this episode I'm like are are they both aren't they both just going through addiction?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean isn't isn't Shannon I mean the way they talk about him the way it affects his his life, you know, his family, his friends, yeah. himself, isn't he is just so ravenously obsessed with becoming a star
0: that it destroys him. I mean, if you really want to streamline what this movie's about, it's about one man coming out of addiction and another man entering it.
1: Yeah, and it's it was actually really tragic in that respect, too. Yeah,
0: and the fact that they're linked. Like, Shannon is the reason why uh, uh, why John reformed himself. I mean, he says as much yeah. at the end of the film. Um, you know, if, if he had been 99% of human beings on this planet... And uh, had reacted the way a normal person would have, and just given the foot back along with the grill. Because who the hell wants that? Um, none of this would have happened, and honestly, he would probably still be an addict.
1: Yeah, no, he would. He would. You know, he would. got mixed up with drugs following tragedy and never stopped. You know and he mean? was
0: actually, yeah, he was actually able to use the resources that his. 15 minutes, I mean someone uses the term 15 minutes of fame applied to them uh, as if they were opportunists Shannon is absolutely an opportunist but John you kind of get this little sense of injustice uh, that, that someone would project that onto him uh, but because of that he is able to get uh, help at one of the nation's top rehabilitation clinics for you know something he would never be able to afford um, otherwise and yeah it's, it's and at the same time, that's power, this money, that uh, prestige totally intoxicates Shannon to the point where, I mean, he is desperate to be on TV. And then when he realizes that he's being made a fool of, he reacts in a volatile way and basically just shuts out his loved ones. And it... it, it is amazing how it, it, the, the extent of his downfall is seriously the stuff of dramatic tragedy. It, it is it is it is too strange for fiction, or I guess oh. you know I, I don't know. It, it, it at the very least it would feel right at home uh, in a. You know, in a grand tragedy, I think it, it's it's played out in a micro scale. It's just one man, not yeah. particularly well off, um, you know, in the middle of the Carolinas. But d- God damn it. It's just a. It, it, you can read so much into the American ethos or so much about the American ethos into his story. And that's what really stuck out to me about it.
1: I mean, I love the bit where he is They're having him auction off, you know, a leg lamp and and you know it's like huh, it's a, it's a leg and he's like yeah I'm the footman and he's like you want me to sign that for you And he's like nope and then it cuts to him he's like yeah I bought the lamp cuz of the christmas story it's an iconic lamp yeah <laughs> yeah it's like everyone, oh, yeah, that's... Should, everyone should have one yeah it's like oh yeah that's the lamp you know from the movie <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah it's not you <laughs> it's not because it's a it's a fucking leg
0: and you're the footman or the leg man yeah and then like, is that the, uh, also I'm not entirely clear what his tip off was that they were making a fool of him?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it was kind of unclear, but at the same I'm, time, just like well, it had yeah, click it, eventually,
0: right? I'm, I'm surprised it didn't click right away, and he didn't do that consentingly because, like, he even says, "I will," and I don't, I'm not sure if this was said somewhat in spite, but he said, "You know, I will do. I'll, I want to be one of those people who will just do anything for a laugh." And I yeah, will yeah. do anything for a laugh. I'll go as far as I need to. Mm-hmm. You don't want to know the stuff I've done for a laugh. <laughs> and I believe him. <laughs> I believe. Yeah. And uh, and also too, I, I you know
1: he definitely that definitely does start his downfall. But even like right after that, like what he's what he does right after he realizes he's being made a fool of is that he calls right the producer him. and like he he basically asks for more. He's, yeah. you know, I mean, different, but more. He's like, no, 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 I can, I can do this better than you're using me, and it's like I think, he's just I think,
0: digging, digging, and digging. He has a great line where it's like, you know, dig, I, dig, can myself, I can make myself. I get. No, go on. He has a great, it was a great line. Where it's like I can make myself cry. Men and women in Hollywood can't do that. Yeah. And, and you think back in this same documentary earlier when you did see him get emotional, he did cry at one point, point. and. It just kind of draws into question the legitimacy of everything he says not that you were ever taking it at face value but just like you kind of always imagined that the emotion was sincere and to me that just kind of drew all that into question like jesus what how much of a how much of a manipulator is this guy how
1: much does how far does this act go
0: yeah right does he know he's an ad <laughs> well <it's, laughs> that's perfect Um, even like look after he gets to the phone with that producer it's still pissed about how they're using him what does he do he goes he goes into an interview where he assumes that same exact character he was just being the dumb country bumpkin uh, who was the footman who was auctioning off the leg lamp and he goes right back into it and says how much he enjoyed the experience Yeah, I
1: mean, I did read a little bit of heartbreak underneath that, but maybe
0: that's just. Oh, no, 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 you can. No, 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 you you can and should. It's there. It's not that he was being disingenuous, it's that he is willing. That's true, yeah. To shift back into that character, even when he knows he's intentionally being made a fool of.
1: Yeah, it's like after he even figures it out and he's still complicit in it, you know, and that's the way that someone is complicit in their own, you know, addiction, their own destruction.
0: How, you, even see him, you even see him contort his face a bit more, I think, just to make him look a little bit more hapless. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's eye-opening. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, it really is,
0: Is I it just terrible? cannot
1: believe that a story like this came from <laughs> what was of, all, yeah. Yeah, it came from these fucking shitty throwaway headlines that you see, like when you have the TV on on your way to
0: work. You know, like I when feel, you're getting ready. I feel really terrible that I uh, find myself way more interested in. Well, I, I mean, that's not really fair. It's not way more interested, but I, I find myself thinking about Shannon more after the documentary than I do about John. Well, which he's is still really right so- in trouble. Well, he's also dead, but he's also dead. Um, but it's like I, I don't know. Maybe it's because tragedy is more. He's also like just a really colorful like how the fuck is this a real person
1: yeah man he would probably be like the coolest person to just hang out with to be
0: honest would he i'm not sure about that i don't know he would be fun i think i I think he'd piss me off but he's just like as a character to study endlessly fascinating yeah that's true Um, that's probably more true uh, i i don't know i would if he were still around i would i would give it a shot but I feel like I, I wouldn't I, I walk away liking it very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's... Uh, ah, man, this is a... It, this documentary basically is just a... It has an enormous snowball effect. I was... Because um, just starting it off, it's basically the whole underlying thing is, oh, this is what... It's the same appeal of the new stories like, oh, yeah, this exactly... Is wacky. And like, you know it's going to go deeper, but you know that setup is just like, okay, all right oh that's crazy you know there's there's like there's all these bigger issues in the world to talk about why am i why don't i, I give a shit about this fucking foot and then it just i don't know it just builds and builds on top of itself and wins and wins and wins
1: <laughs> you know i do say i did not want to say about john's particular arc you know um because you you had said it's on sort of unclear what he was planning to do with his foot, and I think his like yeah. his crystallizing moment is that he he didn't even know what he wanted to do with the foot. It's when it's when he he gets it like fixed up. You know, he encounters this woman who's like can remove all the skin and stuff, and then basically like, recast the foot for him.
0: Mm-hmm. And she
1: does it, but then she's like, "Hey, look, you know, I didn't do this as well as I could have. I think you should let me keep it. Come back, and then." and then he he walks out and he's like okay yeah I'll come back for it and he's just like what am I doing you know I think he even like says this like
0: what have I gotten myself what into what have I gotten myself into yeah you
1: know it's and and at that moment it came to me that it's like he even he, even all even the the symbolic meaning of the foot had escaped him at that point <laughs> you know he's yeah, just like it's I,
0: just it's just a motivator at that it is literally just a thing for him to fight for so, something for him to uh, you know, direct his life toward.
1: Yeah, and it, it, he realized it had sort of like taken over his life, you know, just like the addiction mm. had. And then he's just mm. like, you know what? Give me the foot, just just give me the foot. <laughs>
0: give, give me the
1: fucking foot. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs>
0: of course, a um, much more
1: polite way than that. But yeah, he's just uh, like, you know, this is fine. I could take this, and then it's over. You know, he's.
0: You know, I don't even know what he. You don't even know what he does with the foot. Yeah,
1: no, he doesn't. I mean, it's like he. I think like he goes to his mom's house he doesn't like bring it out or anything it he's bring like it hey, out. check this and out
0: and then he's like you know working in the the fire pit his dad constructed mm-hmm. um or the yeah the uh, brick fireplace and it, you know the, the the I mean again the film does a really good job of you know focusing on what's important which is the reuniting of his family mm-hmm. which is which is admittedly just a really touching scene and very well earned because you you basically got to see you know you you learn more and more throughout the film how fractured this family was and how much baggage they had to to deal with and and what was in their past they had to overcome in order to even have a relationship again
1: yeah no i mean i'm really glad I, i i saw this one it was one of the forty films I saw in two months.
0: <laughs> Jesus, was it when you were like cramming at the end of the year or something?
1: At the end of 2015, yeah, because I when I had that ridiculous goal after after I saw my 60th film on October 31st, I was like, man, if I see 20 movies a month, I can reach 100 before the year's out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, I did it mostly by. <laughs> Well, in large part due to Redbox, and so I saw this movie on the Redbox. I'm like, yeah, let's grab this one,
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, and then now we're doing this podcast more than a, a year and a half later.
0: You know, well, like uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, your name says, everything is connected. <laughs>
1: time like unravels and
0: time unravels and splits apart and comes back together
1: oh man see your name it's great also finders keepers is on netflix so if you
0: get yes, yeah, it's uh to it's, it's pretty much the perfect like netflix surprise
1: yeah i mean it's it's just over 80 minutes too so you <laughs> this will just breeze by um yeah yeah it's much it's beyond the headlines so th- that's what I think these these this creative minds are very good at doing.
0: <laughs> totally, it's a it's a compelling feature story made into a documentary.
1: Yeah, I mean this, these are the kind of stories they should show in in like journalism, you know,
0: feature writing classes. It's, it like, would look. be really good for a feature writing class.
1: Yeah, it's like look, you can you can
0: find stories everywhere. There are stories it, look everywhere. At, look at how much humanity is just. Un, you know on who knows like you know where it, you could probably find a a John Wood behind so many throwaway news articles
1: and a Shannon wisnant for that matter and yes and good on you if you do
0: <laughs> um I'm, there might be only one Shannon I don't I don't know about I don't know <laughs> that man is wow. Was. I, I, I don't know i was god damn it i i can't it's just man how this must have come together i do wonder how much they knew going into it and how much they had to kind of discover along the way i i don't know it seems it seems like there were a lot of happy accidents
1: yeah definitely I mean and I actually when I was exchange brief emails with the producer he was like yeah so often this I had thought that this story wasn't the, you know, we thought that this story wasn't going to happen, you know, we, we weren't going to yeah. be able to finish a documentary for one reason or another you know, um, so yeah. it, it wasn't that they kind of they didn't have a clear direction you know, the entire time, they were just like, we want to know more about this story, and they were making this over the course of several years, so you
0: know. yeah, well it's, that's another thing, just just keep prying it it'll <laughs> Uh, odds are it'll manifest as uh, it'll manifest into something very unique. And
1: yeah, uh,
0: no, yeah I've, nice. I've, I can safely say I've never seen another uh, film quite like Finders Keepers.
1: And this is the homework assignment. You know, you watch the news tomorrow, and you come to me with a documentary idea, and
0: <laughs> let me put my name on it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Here, let me put your, my name on that too. Woo. Uh, yeah, so we're all we're all done. That's our forgotten favorite segment cool. this time. I don't know which one we're gonna do next time yet. Ooh, that's uh, on me. That's isn't on it? you. We, I do have your list. I've also been adding to it, so I'm sorry.
0: I uh, list?
1: No, my I've been adding to my sacred right? document. Our, our list. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So you just need to come up with more, because like we're you know it's me, you, me, you for a while, and then it's just like me.
0: Me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right.
1: All right. Um, yeah, and I don't know what we're reviewing next week.
0: Uh, uh, there's probably something really big coming out.
1: No, not till the week, not
0: till the Sunday after this Sunday. Is that is that Guardians after that? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, May fifth is Guardians. So week from today. So that's a week from today. Um, so, oh, week uh, from today? I suppose it we could. Well, I suppose you know. We should do Fate of the Furious.
1: Oh, yeah. I have seen that one.
0: <laughs> have you? Okay. Yeah. The Fate of the Furiosa.
1: Fate of the Furiosa. It's only the second highest grossing film of the year so far.
0: Hmm. I do, I do wonder what... Uh...
1: Oh, wait. No. We should do... I forgot. Can you, can you see Free Fire? <laughs> oh. Uh, hold on. Yes, I can. See it. We should review that one.
0: Great. I will.
1: So this is the... We reviewed a film earlier um, in our podcast life (laughs) called uh, uh, High Rise. Probably one of the more uh, polarizing movies of last year. Yeah. uh, And by Ben Wheatley. And Ben Wheatley, this is his next film directly after. And from what I can tell, it's a lot more straightforward. But we'll see, won't we?
0: Yep. Uh, Brie Larson, uh, Enzo kill that honestly brie larson's the oh celine murphy and army hammer in it too Uh, also
1: jack rayner from
0: sing street (gasps) (gasps) fuck yes my favorite that dude that dude is i want he's a fucking jet engine i never really wanted a brother but i want him to be my brother
1: (laughs) nice Yeah, so that's probably, that's, I think, definitely what we're going to, unless you want to do, like, The Circle, um, then we're going to do Free Fire next week, so look forward I'm to that, not- and a forgotten favorite segment. I'll try to update, but I never do, so. <laughs> All right, it was a great show this week. Oh, wait, shit. I forgot, I forgot the, oh, of course, the sign-off. Uh, you, Where where can you find us? Where can you see where what can we you have find- to say?
0: There where you go. Where can you see
1: me muse about video games and football? Um, that's be Twitter, at Jam Cozy. And uh, Mike, you can you can you find
0: uh, me tweeting about th- probably retweeting something angrily from Bernie Sanders. Yeah, his crabby uh, socialist rants. You can Mike find his rants at uh, Michael Lydon, eight, nine, two uh, on Twitter. That's on Twitter.
1: And um, we are talking to the movies on Facebook. We're not on Twitter because our name's too long. It's a it's a fundamental flaw that I'll need to address at some point and also subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Beyond that, it was a great show this week. It's going to be a great show next week. And as always, thank you for listening.